This is episode number 291. Is your story based on societal expectations? With Caleb Pearson. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements, first one being an invitation to our upcoming conversation that takes place every single Friday at 10.45 a.m. Central Time, hosted through Facebook and LinkedIn Live, where we explore the connection between one's personal narrative and the topics of resilience, appreciation, grief, gratitude, and many other topics. If this is of interest to you, please consider visiting our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details regarding our upcoming conversation. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our work by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. There he is, Caleb. What's going on, Oleg? How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, I just realized something. So we we create a lot of this in Canva. And Canva has given you the option to um, be able to add music to some mm. of like the intros and things like that. But there's a, there's a button very small that says you have to connect certain accounts. And so I was wondering like why there was no music playing when there was <laughs> there was previously, but at the same time, it's like a beautiful experience of like, okay, here's a minor adversity that some people may or may not be aware with. And the only way to really proceed through that, at least in my mind, is just like, keep going, mm-hmm. keep going with the unknown, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think, um, yeah, I think there's something to be said about, and I don't know, I'm curious to hear if you're in a similar space as I am, whenever I experience things like that, like I don't take them personally anymore. I don't get frustrated as I used to. Rather, I just kind of uh, roll with the punches. Hmm. You know, I think, in a way. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think for for me, I I focus on what am I spending my energy on. Mm-hmm. Um, is it beneficial to me? Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it something worth pouring energy and investment into? And if mm-hmm. so, what is the return? Is there a return? Um, mm-hmm. If there isn't, and if the return isn't beneficial, or it is not improving myself, or doesn't cause me to stop and think and maybe uh, re-image something or develop myself in a new kind of way, um, then I, I, I just, like you say, roll with the punches. Um, I think <laughs> I think we try to be uh, in control of a lot of things that we just don't really need to be in control of. Mm-hmm. Um, I am all about organic living, letting things happen. And uh, I think that that has worked very well for me here recently. Do you think, because I think what you just shared actually directly ties into the conversation we wanted to have today around this concept of, is your story based on societal expectations? Mm. So my personal experience has been this. There were many years when I actually looked at... um, I'm sorry. 
societal expectations and I had this negative outlook to them. And in particular, what I mean by that is I looked at societal expectations as things that I didn't want to conform to, to live my life <laughs> according to. And what I've realized over time is that I do believe societal expectations play a role because they can help me see options that I may not have seen before. They can help me see opportunities or things that can be turned into opportunities that I wasn't aware of. Now, I also find that there's a fine line for me when I choose to rely on some of these expectations or opinions of others, and then also understand that I have my own set of expectations and opinions of myself. So I'm curious to maybe hear from you, and maybe this is a way we can start off this conversation to begin with. When you think of societal expectations to begin with, what is your relationship with them? I th so there's a lot that goes into that for me. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, you can't avoid uh, some societal expectations when it comes to uh, development, especially development um, from adolescent to your adult life, right? Um, you hear it all the time that you are the product of your surroundings, your environment, what you, what you were raised in, the way you were raised. Um, we see differences in the way that we are, the way we act, the way we see life based off of our generational, I guess, the way we came in generationally, right? There's a clear mm -hmm. difference between, let's say, baby boomers and millennials and, you know, people who are of the information age and there are certain expectations, there are certain things that um, are expected of you now just based off of society in general, the way society has evolved. So I think it's something that is unavoidable um, when it comes to the base of how you have developed um, as a person. Now, I think there's also a clear line between expectations and then what you're aware of. Uh, in that, um, and you know, I say this all the time, you're not in control of what you don't know because you just don't know. But you are in control of and accountable to what you do know, what you gain knowledge of. So when it comes to society and what's expected in society and everything that's going on, uh, socially, you, you you see things in social media, you see things that's, that's just happening. Um, and you're gaining knowledge of what's going on around you. You gain knowledge of the way things are happening around you. Things that were taboo before are no longer taboo. You know, you've seen so many changes in movements, civil rights, gay rights. Um, there's a big thing about abortion right now, uh, but everything has evolved over time. So uh, I think you're accountable now to who you are based off of what you've learned through life and in the expectations of the generation you were you were raised in. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. If I'm do, right. you, do you think there is a fine line? Because I, I remember having a conversation like this with um, either Scott Mason or someone else, and we were talking about whether or not there's a fine line to the information of um, one not should know. 
talk about expectation, right? Is mm-hmm. putting that up, <laughs> putting that <laughs> up on someone. But I'm wondering, like, when when it comes to some of these things, when it comes to everything constantly evolving, like, what is the, I guess, expectation that you have of yourself as it relates to the larger scope scope of society and mm-hmm. where everything is? Because one thing that I've learned is that it's very difficult to keep up, literally, with everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I literally, I, I, unfortunately, I, or fortunately, whichever way, I just don't have the time, and 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 to literally keep up with every single subject, every single cause. So then it becomes more of a numbers game as far as okay, these are the things that I'm going to choose to focus my time and energy onto, and these mm-hmm. are the things that simply can't due to the time that I have available. And so I'm curious when it comes to your lens and just the life that you have lived, how do you manage that? How do you manage the pressure from? the outside world that says okay by this age you have to have you know a family a house Mm -hmm. x y and z but then also understanding that okay that's just someone else's perspective and Mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily have to be my view of of the world right and i I, and again i I allude to the the difference in um generations uh generationally things are different Uh, i think the expectations for what is expected of me uh as a as a an American man of my age, 34, has changed extremely from what it was in the past, right? You had mm-hmm. your nuclear families where, you know, you have your wife, your kid, and a dog or whatever by the time you were age, whatever, you know, people married and everything really young. But now things are just a whole lot more progressively moving in a different direction where it's okay to, uh, not that expectations are lower, they're just different. But I also want to harp on something that you said that you started to talk about is mm-hmm. expectations being um, a projection mm-hmm. onto you of society or of someone else that's projecting that onto you. Um, so there's the expectations I have of myself and then the expectations of, I think, the way the world sees me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm expect. Well, so there's so many things that goes into what's expected of me, good and mm-hmm. bad. Um, I'm an African-American man in, you know, this country. Um, if I was to tell you that by the time I was 18, you know, I was locked up or whatever, that's almost like an expectation because it is part of a number, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of something that, people have seen to be in a, a regular occurrence of people of my demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's an expectation. It's a projection on me. Now it did ring true for me, but I came out of that because I didn't want to be just a number. I didn't want to be just another statistic. So there was, there was that, I think uh, struggling with the way the world saw me and what they expected of me, which was not to succeed so much, which was not to be so educated and driven and to be, you know, such a, a contributor to my nation um, as a man in service and a uniform, I, an expectation to maybe fall by the wayside um, in my generation, the way I was raised. And then my individual expectation that I put upon myself. Um, that I would not be those things, that I would arise mm-hmm. above those things. How do you project your expectations of other people then on them? 
I try not, I try to turn it back around instead of letting them see what they expect of me. I try to let them see what I want them to see, what Mm. I know that is true of myself. Uh, And I think that's very important for everybody. Um, We as people, as individuals to not be so wrapped up into what we think the world or our nation or our society uh, views as, as what their perspective of us is, but are we really projecting what we think that we are, what we value on the inside? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've been curious about this, and this is something that I've become aware of in the recent months to maybe even years, and that's really understanding my language and Mm. how it is that I'm using it to project things onto others. Because I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a human being. I have my, I have my fears. I have plenty of limitations that I set upon myself that are set from the society perspective. And what really got me curious as far as how do I communicate that information to other people Mm -hmm. while not projecting my fears directly onto them and therefore creating more fears within them. Mm-hmm. And what I've found myself doing is that there are actually certain words that act, that I will not use or I try not to use. So you should, you have to, mm-hmm. we, we need to, because at the end of the day, when I, when I find myself using that language, I find that there are expectations, that there are societal pressures that I'm putting upon the individual without really giving them the space to recognize those things for them for him or herself mm-hmm. like what are the things that you want to pursue what are the things that kind of light your soul on fire without me telling you that hey you need to go do this you need to do that because i think i think if anything many or maybe all of us have been in those situations before and one thing that i've learned over time and, and i'm curious to hear if, to hear if you have come across similar lessons in your life is that very few people want to be told what to do in life mm-hmm. Yeah, me, me is one of them. (laughs) But real quick, let me talk to um, also what you said about um, projecting yourself onto others. Uh, And I think that's something that I think we need to foot stop um, Mm -hmm. because we're influencers. We're all influencers in some kind of way. Right. There is there is somebody, some people, some group, whatever that is listening to you that is going to want to do what you said that they do. And then depending on what your platform is, for instance, you you reach a lot of people. There are gonna mm-hmm. be people who tune into your shows, to your podcast, to your broadcast that are going to say, oh, Oleg said I should do this or I shouldn't do that or this, that or whatever. So we have to be very cognizant of it. Although you're not meaning to be a um, manager of somebody else's life or whatever, Mm -hmm. that's how they're going to take it. So we need to be Mm -hmm. very cognizant of that. And then as far as myself, I'm an instructor. Um, In the classroom, I try to press upon the, the fact that I am there to facilitate a classroom, to facilitate discussion, not to project my own thoughts and opinions upon somebody else. But I know that when I say certain things and or say if I if, if if I'm listening to an answer that one of my students have, and maybe I react a certain way that uh, maybe I don't agree with, I notice real quick that they'll turn their whatever they said or their answer back around to try to agree with what I said. 
Mm. And that's not what I'm trying to get out of it, right? I mm. want it to be an open discussion. I want to facilitate that discussion and not uh, project myself and my own thoughts into that. So I think it's very important to be cognizant of how I'm presenting myself, the the trigger words, if you will, that I'm using. Am I saying should or would or you should not or, you know, uh, uh, things like that? <laughs> How do you think that conversation has changed for you? Like when, when you have this conversation with people, including myself and anyone that's listening right now, how do, how have you developed this element of awareness mm. where certain things may reach the thought, but they may not reach the mouth, so to speak? Mm -hmm. Practice, lots of practice. practice. And I think, <laughs> no, really, and I think because because we are in a unique situation where we know we have to be aware of ourselves, mm -hmm. um, a heightened level of self-awareness, even in some of the most mundane things, right? Like having a conversation, but a conversation that is being openly broadcast to, to more people or in front of to a anyone. classroom, yeah. right? Um, instructors, uh, uh, speakers, uh, politicians, right? They have that level of awareness because they know that there's certain things that people are going to tune into to key in. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, practice. Um, when I first started out as an instructor, uh, I really had to control my face. <laughs> I really had to control the what I was saying on my face because people were watching me. My thoughts mm -hmm. are going through my head and I'm, I'm spitting out something, but my face is telling something completely different. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really just practice over the over the years and being able to um, not change my opinion or even hold it back, but to present it in a way that is not uh, trying to tell somebody that they are right or wrong or that this is fact and that is not or that your opinion doesn't matter as opposed to my own. Yeah, because that's I, I've learned the same exact thing. I think body language for me has a really big role in understanding this. And and I'll also say that I think I only understand communication to a certain degree and I have so much more to learn about it because with every single person, the way that I communicate is different. The way that I communicate with my parents is most likely different than the way that I communicate with some of my closest friends. And so I so much where it really does vary depending on the environment. But I like what you said about practice because Literally, that's what it's been, is daily mm. reminders, daily mm -hmm. practice. Every opportunity I get to speak to someone, whether it's a podcast or just conversations at the grocery store, I think that what, I've re what I ultimately have realized is that when I set my mind onto wanting to introduce some of these changes in my life, one of them being how do I project my own expectations onto other people that have been passed down to me by society or created within me by myself, mm -hmm. is that there's almost like a responsibility that I keep right now. And so every single chance that I get, I really do try and acknowledge that, okay, here's an opportunity for me to influence someone else. Now, I don't know what they're going to pick up. I don't know which words they're going to carry with them after the conversation ends. And that, I think, is even a trickier part. And maybe in a way, it adds even more pressure because then it's like, okay, are they solely reading the body language? Are they picking up what's coming out out of my mouth or mm. is there another language that they're picking mm. up entirely mm. and then out of that language what is it that's actually sticking with them so that's where talk about heightened awareness 
now my awareness is through the roof because now I'm trying to pay attention to, okay, how am I impacting them? Because I do believe that, I do believe that we all learn from each other. I, I feel confident in saying that statement. I think we do learn from each other. I don't, I, I believe, so here's my perspective in this. I think everyone has value, but I don't think everything everyone says has value. Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference. And, and that the tricky part is figuring out what are the things that do have value for you, for your mm -hmm. circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, uh, are you there? Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I agree with you. And to that point, um, you know, I'm going to use an example of the Bible, for instance, right? Um, you know, they say you read the Bible and it, the words don't change, but the circumstances yeah. and the way you interpret the words may may be different based off of who you are and what's going on in your life, right? Um, you can go and attend a church sermon and listen to the preacher and feel nothing that day because maybe it wasn't speaking to you, right? Maybe that message wasn't specifically speaking to you. So to your point, there was little value in that, right? For you at that point, that point in time for you. But maybe the next time that you listen to it, maybe it can be the same exact sermon. Maybe it was recorded and you listen to it two days later, maybe a few hours later. And circumstances have changed in your life. And now that you can add value to it, maybe now that has an effect on you. Maybe now that has an impact on you. So to your point of everybody has value, but not everything that everyone says necessarily has value to you at a certain point or ever, for sometimes ever in your life. I think that rings very true. Extremely true. Mm -hmm. um, I think a, a lot of it is circumstantial. Uh based off of who we are and where we are in our own lives, uh, in our own journeys, the things that we're going through, um, the things that we've witnessed or not witnessed, and those who we need to witness to, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that all plays a huge part. And when it comes to expectations, uh, an expectation of another person when it comes to interaction um are you ex always expecting to get something of worth and of value from someone mm -hmm. it's not always necessarily the case yeah yes it's you're right circumstances are different you know one of the things that i've learned by traveling and spending some time with people of i mean literally so many different cultures it's a little bit a uh, little bit overwhelming <laughs> <laughs> being a hostel with with people where the turnover rate is literally 24 hours mm -hmm. and so in the next 24 hours you can get a completely new batch of people or new group of people from completely different parts of the world mm. and one thing that i have learned in the four to five days that i've been here is that as it as it relates to this concept of societal expectations many travelers become travelers or at least the ones that i've spoken to in order to avoid some of the societal expectations that be placed upon them. Mm -hmm. Go to school, pursue a career, start a family, buy a house, all these things. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but I'm saying that there's an interesting trend that I have seen as far as why people choose to travel, some, not all, and, and how going into these environments and these experiences of going around the world 
or mm-hmm. doing whatever it is that they choose to do, they're able to almost like create their own world that yes, still probably has some degree of expectation, mm-hmm. but it's drastically different than one they're used to. Therefore, they're more likely to accept the new environment rather than the one that they were previously in. And mm-hmm. so I find that interesting. And I know you've traveled quite a bit as well mm-hmm. through Europe, haven't you? Did you find the same pattern um, amongst oh, yeah. other travelers? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, a lot of people, not necessarily escaping uh, the expectations that they have, but wanting something different or wanting not to have to try to fit into it. Right. I don't. Yeah. And you see it with certain cultures. Certain certain cultures are really big on it. They 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 push for, um, you know, certain in, in certain family circles, they, they push for their all of their children to be married by this age, to go to, you know, and get this type of degree and this type of um, education. Uh, I think a lot of people, and especially in, in, in the places that I've traveled, you see it a lot uh, with, with with travelers who are on maybe longer treks or whatever. They're, they're just kind of, I just kind of want to get away from that. I want to be able to, like you said, create my own expectations, create my own world, um, be free of those that expect me to live, be, or whatever a certain way. And sometimes they're okay with just returning to it. And just, they're just saying, I will fit into that. Just not right now, you know? Um, And you brought up a good point about the changes environment. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you because you, you came into, um, you know, America as a foreigner and, uh, Obviously, there were expectations from where you came from. And how did you adjust to the new society, the new environment that you're into? And what were the what were some of the expectations that I guess you were dealing with and had to face? I I think for me, it was the ability to succeed when it comes to learning the language, adjusting to the culture and, and literally becoming a U.S. citizen, so to speak. So being able to operate in a culture and the parameters that were presented in front of me, I think that was one of the expectations. I think where I have found it challenging, in in particular what you just addressed earlier, and that's this concept of fitting in. <laughs> I remember when I was in middle school, and this is not the first memories that I think really started to set in for me. Expectations came from what other people were wearing and what other people were doing. Mm-hmm. And I noticed the way that it was influencing me, it was directly influencing my decision-making. If this mm-hmm. is a hot style, therefore, should I be wearing this? If these are the things people are doing, should I be doing them? And I think it's it's a similar thing that I probably encounter on a daily basis, as I'm sure you do, and anyone else that's watching. I mean, think about the cars that are being put in front of you. In many of those situations, it's an intentional design. It's mm-hmm. an intentional push to push electric cars. That, in a way, is a social <laughs> expectation that may be passed down to us mm-hmm. as a decision that we have to make. So when I think about my own past, that was definitely one of those things, just finding or, or um, adjusting to the culture. I will also say that another expectation that I had faced from – probably middle school, high school, I know certainly in college, was to go to college, mm. to pursue a four-year university, to get a diploma, to major in X, Y, and Z. And I'm not saying there was anything wrong with it. I think I gained a tremendous amount 
by being in an institution, but I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I made the most out of it. Mm. I was that kid who would go to class and then stay after class and wander through halls, different departments that I may or may not have been for before, just to connect with <laughs> other professors and to expand my network. Because I realized early on that at the end of the day, upon graduation, it, the degree really wasn't going to matter much. It was going to be more about who did I meet? So who knows me and who and who do I know? And those were the things that really opened doors for me from that point forward. Mm -hmm. So that is a social expectation that I don't think was passed down to me. I think the social expectation was more along the lines of follow the, the steps one to three, and then you might end up whatever the result is, but then life kind of proved me the other way. That mm -hmm. yes, I might have a degree. Yes, I might have had good grades. But at the end of the day, if I didn't take the time to converse with other people and get to know them and express to them my aspirations and dreams, I may never get to them. And that's been the, the interesting lesson to learn is like, okay, how do I look at some of these social expectations? Go to school, do this, do this, do that. But also understand that there might be other ways that I can approach those things mm. in order to achieve the same end goal at the end mm. of the day. That's interesting too, because I, I think that we, a lot of times too, step into a construct of an expectation. Um, for instance, right, you went to college, you got your degree, you did what you did. And then yeah. um, at some point you, you stepped into this world, right? Mm -hmm. This world of podcasting, of being an influencer, doing it well, right? But mm -hmm. there's also that goes with it in this world, in this 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 platform an expectation yeah. an expectation for you to deliver mm -hmm. every so you know often with consistency and mm -hmm. with valuable content at what point though um at what point do you, or do you ever feel that the expectation is heavy and how do you how do you manage that that's a good question so is it heavy? At times it could be. What I have done and, and probably the best way that I can manage this process is I really don't try and build everything that I'm doing based on the expectation of other people. Rather, I do. I try to go from the point of passion. Mm -hmm. Am I passionate about this topic? Am I passionate about connecting with this person? Am I passionate about sharing this with other people through what modes? How am I going to do it? When it comes to some of these other things, I know you experience this as well because you're a podcaster yourself. Mm -hmm. The numbers, number mm -hmm. of downloads, number of subscribers, number of reviews, those to me are all social expectations that trust me, they do have value in certain circumstances. There are certain conversations that I have found that I wouldn't even be able to open the door if I didn't have those th three things met to a specific threshold. Mm -hmm. So I see how some people can look at that and say, okay, my time, I, I have a limited amount of time. And if I can only dedicate, let's say, 20 minutes to 30 minutes to an hour a day, I'd like to maximize that impact. And so I try and put myself in a situation that, okay, I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge you that you think that the only the only way you can value your time is if it's broadcasted to 100,000 people because you're living your life, I'm living my life, and I don't know what's right or wrong. Like mm -hmm. you, it's It's right according to the lens that you're viewing it. So I try and manage that by acknowledging that it's there, but not having it be my 
my driving force. So I understand that, okay, the downloads, the reviews and all this stuff, it's there. And I do try and intentionally build those things up by asking people just like I did at the beginning of this broadcast that, hey, if you enjoyed this, please leave us a review because it would help us spread the message out to other people who may or may not be familiar with the show. But I don't try and look at that as the primary driver. I mm. don't look at those and then structure the conversations around because I think that's where it, for me, I lose passion mm-hmm. because then I'm not doing something that I'm genuinely interested in. Mm-hmm. Then I'm, I'm caught up in the numbers. And as I'm sure you know, numbers change. One day you might have five downloads, next day you might have nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the day after that, you might have a thousand. Yeah. How do you understand that trend? Right. There is no logic behind that. And then we get in our head about it, right? It, it, did oh, yeah. I do something that wasn't good enough? Yeah. Am I not meeting that 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 expectation? Am yeah. I, you know, am I letting people down? And you know, um, and then you create unnecessary change, right? You start changing your methods. Mm-hmm. And the reality is like three days or two days. It, it, it may not be enough to even understand what you're doing is working. Right, right. And I, I, I really, and you, you bring up passion and having a passion. You obviously have a passion for this and what you do in this. And uh, I'm developing a passion in, in, in podcasting, but because it's an extension of my passion of developing myself and others. But um, to your example of letting the numbers kind of take over you know, I'm in I, I'm in the bodybuilding and stuff like that. And, you know, I had an Instagram and I started off with like 250 followers or whatever. Um, I body built because I have a passion for it. Um, I, I stay in the gym because I love it. Um, but it, whenever I started competing and getting good at it, after I went pro um, and I saw my numbers shoot up, right? I went from like 250 followers to like 1,000, 8,000, 15,000. And it became about the numbers, right? And then the expectation created pressure because um, they expected me to continue to not only um, maintain a good body, but to produce content and to get numbers, right? And then for just like you said, if you want certain sponsorships or coaches or whatever, you have to meet a certain threshold. Yeah. But at some point, it became heavy. The pressure was heavy. And I realized that it became less about the passion for why I entered the sport and more about this numbers game on how many followers I could get. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very formula. And I I completely just got rid of my my Instagram because I needed to mentally reconnect and remember why I was doing what I was doing. Um, Where was my passion? And to step outside of that societal expectation of me to have big numbers and to produce good content to sometimes I don't want, I don't want to walk around looking like I'm stage ready all the time. Right. Yeah. One, it's not healthy to do so. And two, it's, it's just not, I didn't, sometimes I just want to go to Burger King and just have a burger. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I just want to post up that I have, you know, I've, I've been eating nothing but donuts all weekend, but I can't, put that out there into society because they expect me to be this image of eternal fitness right yeah yeah you know the other thing that i find fascinating that i don't think gets talked about often it's this concept of i look at these social expectations that 
you have to have X number of followers and reviews and download subscribers and all this other stuff. Well, the reality of the matter is due to the industry that you are in, it's going to be different. So for example, this is a trend that I've noticed and I'm curious if you've noticed a similar thing. Accounts that focus on the body, so fitness, bodybuilding, Mm. tend to perform higher when it comes to number of followers, when it comes to number of likes, number of comments, et cetera, then let's say accounts that focus on meditation, mm. accounts that focus on topics that are considered alternative. Mm. So when you set a threshold that is common for everyone, some of the in, some of the things that the industries are in mm. may never meet that threshold mm-hmm. solely due to the conversation that you're having in the interest that it has in the day-to-day of an average person. So an average, if an, if an average person never encounters meditation, hmm. then why is the societal expectation of someone who focuses on meditation as a practice through a podcast or whatever it is, the same as someone who talks about cars, bodybuilding, fitness, mental health. Mental health is, is in that category as well that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a topic that all of us encounter, but yet it doesn't receive the same amount as some of these other topics. So that's where I find there's also an interesting dilemma as far as like here's this social expectation that's literally set for seems like everyone when the reality is not everyone is rowing the same boat. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is having the same conversation. Yeah, and you know... When it comes to fitness, bodybuilding, things like that, hey, sex sells, right? People yeah. find bodies sexy. Yeah. Um, so that that's what that is. I found that I found that the more skin I show, the more likes and whatever I got, right? Um, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm on stage. If I can post my my uh, my stage photos, as opposed to me just you know chilling at a restaurant or whatever, fully clothed, I'm not gonna get the same amount of likes. Mm-hmm. Although I'm a strong and and I'm a strong proponent for mental health and taking care of your mental stability. I like to do yoga. I meditate every day. Uh, Me and my class, we go through meditation before we even start the class, but nobody is having that conversation. Nobody, not to the degree that, you know, uh, fitness is or posting some, you know, muscle photo or whatever. Nobody's not, people aren't having that conversation. Um, And is it because there is a certain vulnerability in talking about mental health, uh, what is taboo about it? I, I I don't quite understand. Maybe there's a fear in it. Uh, is it uncomfortable? And we talk about this all the time. And I, I you know, I've, I've seen many of your shows, and a lot of times it comes back to being comfortable with what's uncomfortable, um, exploring that fear. Uh, but how do we how do we change societal expectations when? society's not having those conversations. I think the only way to do it is to just have the conversation with whatever mm-hmm. platform of influence you have. Billy Atwell, I, I know can probably relate to much of what we had to say. He has a show of his own called The Unshakable mm-hmm. Self-Confidence. And one of the things that I know he stands for in, in one of the conversations that or many conversations we've had is in regard to this. Like if something doesn't align, instead of waiting for the change to happen, literally choosing to be the change. So if the conversations aren't having 
having the conversations. And I think within that, there's also a, talk about another expectation, and that's in starting some of these platforms. Uh, this mm-hmm. is an expectation that I've encountered. And I don't know if you have, or Billy, who's you know another podcast host in this, but an average person, oftentimes, people in my family, people who are my friends, because they're not familiar, they're not familiar with the process of podcasting. There is that tendency to think that just because your first you had your first episode, it should go viral. Mm. And if it doesn't go viral by 50th or 100th episode, you're doing something wrong. When the reality of the matter is like like we were talking at the beginning, we can't control that. Mm. I can't control when you choose to tune in and listen. Mm-hmm. If you tune in at 2 a.m., but I happen to pull my metrics at 5 p.m., it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I realized. How do you deal with that? You don't, and like we said at the beginning, you don't worry about what you can't control. Um, because you can't, you just can't. You can't control it. So why why put energy into it? Uh, something that is out of, of your control, something that is as organic as that. I mean, I know a lot of times we want to search for answers. Right. I think that's the biggest thing that people want to do is try to find that why. Uh, And as you alluded to before, things change all the time. Maybe there isn't a specific why at a certain reason. Maybe it's the time of day that something has been posted or published or uploaded, or maybe it's the day of the week. Or maybe, I don't know, it's because Mercury is in retrograde. Right. I don't know. Could be a whole bunch of stuff. But are we really focusing on something that matters? Are you trying to take control of something that really has a lot of value or input on your life or that has a lot to do with who you are or how you're going to continue to be? Or is it going to make a substantial change to the person that is Oleg Lohid or the person that is Caleb Pearson? Is that my identity? I don't worry about those things because it's not it's not who I am. It's not my identity. It's not what I want to be focused on. I can't control those things that are out of my control. So I don't even try. And I really don't put energy into those kinds of things because I have because I can focus that energy elsewhere. I can put that energy either back into myself or into my craft, into my practice or into others. Improving society, starting and sparking these conversations trying to get people to get comfortable with what's uncomfortable. Um, Being the ripple that creates a wave. Creating a platform and handing people the mic. That's what I can try to do and not worry about those things that I just can't control. I know it's easier said than done because it's a mental battle. It's a mental Mm -hmm. struggle. It's a back and forth. Daily one. Mm-hmm. Caleb, I know obviously you and I can have this conversation until the, the sun sets, but <laughs> for the for the sake of our time and everyone else that's tuned in right now, what are some ways that people can connect with you and what do you have coming up that's I know it's part of your podcast and everything that people can be a part of? Yeah, so you can definitely hit me up on LinkedIn or on uh, Facebook. Just type in my name. You can find my podcast, The Ignite Podcast, on uh, Instagram at the underscore ignite podcast. Um, you can also see some of my work with uh, 
another friend of mine, a brother of mine, Trip Bodenheimer, and the Shadows podcast. I do some co-hosting with him, and we also awesome. oh, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. And we do an off-the-air thing. He's on YouTube. You can find the Shadows podcast pretty much everywhere. Ignite is on all platforms as well as Shadows. Um, got some really great things coming up. I'm trying, I'm teaching right now. So my release date for season two of the Ignite keeps getting pushed back, but I'm definitely getting out there. I've already done my, some interviews, so it's happening. Ignite podcast is coming back for season two and I will be your happy guardian to guard over that torch. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I want to thank you for being a part of it. And I want to thank Billy for, you know, being a part of my life and also contributing to the conversation one of the last things that he mentioned that i found interesting is the number of downloads and what he has observed over the years and and i think the point that i'm trying to take from that is that whatever you do focus on and expands the, the i think most complicated part of that that i've realized is that when it expands you just don't know mm. it could be year two you could be year five it could be year 10. Mm. and i think what we talked about kind of going from passion it's for me it served me best because then it gave me a chance to not focus on some of these other expectations of what it should be or mm-hmm. needs to be and, and rather move forward. So I just, I want to appreciate you for being a part of this. I want to appreciate Billy. I want to appreciate everyone else that's been a part of it and look forward to having this conversation next week. Yes. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.